This morning, we're going to go ahead and start into the message together. We're going to go ahead and get into this book of Philippians that we've been looking at for a few weeks, and we're going to spend some time talking about that, and then we're going to sing a few more songs, and then we're going to come back to Philippians chapter 3 again. Uh, I want to start by just showing you something. This is my Kansas driver's license, all right? I didn't think I would get applause for that. Um, I've actually had it for a while. It's not like I just got it. But, uh, but to get this little piece, uh, this little identification piece, I had to make an appointment with a representative of Johnson County, and I had to stand before that person and prove three things to them. I had to prove first that I exist, you know, that I am who I say I am. So I made an appointment, and I went in, and the first thing I asked for, they asked for was my birth certificate. I didn't have my birth certificate with me, so I had to make a second appointment. I went home. I, I don't have my birth certificate anywhere in my, my stuff, so I reached out to my mom. Of course, mom would have it, right? She didn't have a birth certificate either for me. So uh, I guess when you turn 40, your parents no longer have to keep your documentation. I found that out. <laughs> so just put that in the back of your mind. Uh, so I had to reach out to the state of Illinois and have them send me a new birth certificate, which they did, and then I was able to set up the second appointment and prove that I exist. So that's what, the first thing that I had to do. Second, I had to prove that I live in Kansas. So I had to have two documents with my name and my new Kansas address, bills, you know, from the county, that kind of thing. So I, I brought those in. I wore a Chiefs jersey just to give me extra credit. Um, the, one, the one that you guys gave me, yeah. Yeah, it helped, it did. And then uh, third, I had to prove that I can drive. And so uh, I had my Colorado license, and the representative behind the desk said, well, if you can drive in Colorado, you can drive in Kansas. So he said, that's, that's all we need to know is that you have a license. But he said, we need to get, give me your Colorado license. And before I could say anything, he took scissors and he cut it in half. He said, this isn't legal anymore. And I was like, 13 years of driving in Colorado, and it's just all gone. All my, you know, so I, I kept the half with my picture on it just for memories of, that, of those years. I share all this with you to show you what it takes to become a legal Kansan as far as driving on the roads. Last summer, with all this, when all this was playing out, I ceased being a Coloradan, and I became a Kansan. I became something else, something other. There was a shift in my identity of who, who I am. My legal status changed, my external markers changed, my community changed, and, um, and here I am. And many of you have experienced those kinds of changes in your life as well, when you've moved to a new place, or taken on a new job, or maybe started attending a new school. Uh, we go through these changes. We have these shifts in our lives. There's also spiritual shifts that take place in our lives. And here's where I want to go to Philippians chapter 3. Again, this letter we've been looking at for several weeks that Paul wrote uh, to his friends in this ancient city of Philippi. We know he wrote it um, about 60 AD, a long time ago. And in chapter 3, verse 17, he, he writes these words. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model... Keep your eye on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, I don't know, but did you catch some of the shifts that Paul writes about in that passage? Some of the spiritual changes that take place in a person's life when they surrender to Jesus. Paul had experienced these changes himself. 
He had gone through uh, new physical realities, external markers, his internal identity, his spiritual position. All those things were shifted because of his relationship with Jesus, his encounter with Jesus. I want to have you take a minute around your table and, and take on one question. What are some of the shifts that you notice in this passage? I want to read it for you again so that you can be thinking about this question. What, what shifts does Paul write about in these verses in Philippians chapter 3? So let me read it again, and then I'm going to give you one minute, not a long time, but one minute around your table just to say, here's what I notice. Here's some of the changes that Paul is talking about, some of the movements I see him talking about. Okay, let me read it again. Philippians 3 verse 17 Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you even again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Okay, take one minute. What shifts does Paul write about in this passage? Okay, one minute around your table. Talk about that. Another 30 seconds, another 30 seconds. Okay, all right, let me get your attention again. Thanks for discussing, good job. Uh, anyone want to share some of the thoughts that came out in your time together? A word or a phrase or half a sentence to describe the shifts that you see or shift that you noticed around your table. Anyone want to share something? Just put your hand up if you want to share with the group. Feel like we're back in high school again. Yeah, Joel. Okay. Our loyalty or our citizenship has shifted. Yes, yeah. Earthly things, our mind on earthly things to our mindset on heavenly things. Awesome. Yeah, right on. Maybe one more. Anybody else? Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Our physical body being transformed into something else. So Paul lists these different kinds of changes that will be coming. And he starts with the truth that before that happens, we lived as enemies of the cross of Jesus. I was an enemy of God. You were enemies of God. Um, you might not realize that, or maybe some of you are still in that position and you don't even realize it. When you're disconnected from God, when you're just living life, you, you don't always see the things that you choose to do, the mindset that you have that separate you from your creator God. And Paul says that, that we lived as enemies of the cross. He wrote in another letter 
to some friends in the city of Colossae, he would write these words, at one time you were separated from God. You were his enemies in your minds and the evil things you did were against God. This is where it begins. Many of us realize that and we haven't stayed there. We've, we've asked God to change us. We've asked for forgiveness. We've shifted and we've immigrated into a new reality. And Philippians 3 says, because of that immigration, there are three things about you that have changed. You have a new citizenship. We mentioned that one. You have a new nature. And one day you'll have a new body. We mentioned that one as well. These are the new things, the, the changes that take place in you because of God's grace for us. When we lived as enemies of Jesus, Paul says that we, we followed our, our appetites. We had a hunger for things and we had a pride in certain things. Paul says our stomach was our God and our shame was our glory. The things that we would hold up and say, this is what makes me awesome. Now we look back and say, that, that's, I can't believe I did that. You know, that's shame for us. Our small g God and our small g glory separated us from the one true God, the way of life he created us for, his grace and his goodness. Just like I had to have two documents to prove I lived in Kansas, we have these two things that, that show our connection to the earth, our humanity, our pride, and what we put first in our lives. Paul says our stomach was first place. Whatever we hungered for, we went after. We consumed, and we hunger for a lot of things, don't we? We hunger for physical food. We hunger for relational food and sexual food, for emotional food. We hunger for spiritual food. We go after those things, and we consume those things. We devour them. And our pride comes next. Paul says the very things that we would hold up and show off, the things that we felt gave us value, gave us rights, he said, now we look at those things in our past and, and we're ashamed of it. We know we could have lived in a different way. The, the things we said that hurt other people, the things we did that hurt ourselves, Paul says that we look back and say, man, I, I should have lived a different way. And then he writes these wonderful words in verse 20. Very first word, it says, but, but there is a different way. There's a new life that we have. There's a different approach that God created us for a different reality. We have a new citizenship and a new nature. For the people living in Philippi, that word citizenship would have had extra weight to it. They were Roman citizens living very far away from Rome, hundreds of miles from Rome. They, they identified themselves as Roman citizens because of the, the power and the position and the rights that that gave them as Roman citizens. They were part of this empire, greatest empire on the earth at that time. And even though they were far from Rome, they said that's key to who we are, our citizenship as Romans. And Paul says, you have a different and new citizenship. And the leader of this new kingdom is able to transform who you are, how you are, your reality, your life. Jesus brings to bear the power of God in our, in our lives, and, and we're shifted, we're moved. The same way that Jesus took on a new nature when he moved into our neighborhood, right? When he took on physical space and time, when he put on flesh and re reduced himself into creation, uh, Jesus took on a, a new nature. Philippians 2 talks about that, the nature of a servant. In a very similar way, we can have a new nature, a new citizenship, a new understanding of our reality. We're going to take some time and, and sing some songs together, songs that remind us of this new nature. The worship team's going to come back up and prepare to lead us. And we, we sing these songs because they help us understand the reality of our lives. They help us connect with God in different ways. A lot of times, music does something in our hearts that words alone don't do. So we're going to sing some songs that talk about this shift in our reality, and then we're going to come back to this passage in Philippians 3, and we're going to, we're going to name some of the other natures, some of the other realities that Paul began to leave behind so that he could live into the new reality that he was created for.
These songs remind us that we're headed to a different place. They remind us that, that whatever we're facing today, whatever hardship, whatever loss, whatever sadness you're facing today, that this is not our reality. This is not where we will be. That we have a different kingdom. We have a different future. And, and we need to hear that together today. So I want to invite you to stand. And uh, would you sing with me? Sing with us. Would you uh, pray with me? Let's talk to God together. Father, we're so thankful that we can lift our voices to you this morning, and that we can turn our hearts again to you, as we do every day, Lord, that we'd start our days acknowledging your grace and your love and your presence and inviting you to speak to us. And thank you that you are present with us no matter what we face, no matter what we go through every day, you are with us, giving us strength, comforting us, calling us out creating us a passion to see your kingdom expand in new ways in our lives and in our community. Father, we worship you today. And thank you for the ways that you have spoken to us through your word. We ask that we would hear from you today, that we would understand that through this ancient letter that Paul wrote, that we might be encouraged and challenged in our faith this morning. And all of this is because of Jesus. We thank you for him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. When we worship like that, we give uh, God our, our focus. We give him our honor and our praise. When we worship, we say, this matters to me. This has value to me. In many ways, we were created to worship, to look at other things, to lift up other things, to value other things. Worship reveals what you value the most. We value many things, but we only worship one thing, at least only one at a time. So we value lots of stuff. I value coffee. I don't know if you value coffee, but I've got to start the day with coffee or it's, it's not a good day for me, right? Uh, last Thursday, I valued the gloves I had on while shoveling snow. You know, we value things, but we only worship, we only have one master, one thing we worship, at least one at a time. And worship helps us turn our hearts again to God. King David in the Old Testament uh, worshiped God with his life, but he did some very bad things. He, he did things, he, he murdered, he committed adultery, he did terrible things. And there were times when he woke up to the reality of what he'd started to worship instead of God. Other times, someone had to come and tell him, hey, you, you have left what God has for you. You have worshiped other things. But whenever David woke up to that reality, he came back to God. And he asked for forgiveness. He asked that God would continue to change his life, that God would, would examine him and, and help pull out these, these things that were broken, these things that hurt others and hurt himself. And David wanted to worship God alone. Back in Philippians 3, Paul writes about this kind of shifting that happens when we change our worship, when we begin to worship God alone instead of the other things in our lives that we worship. If you go back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, I'd love for you to open up your Bible or your Bible app on your phone and just follow along as we look at the beginning of chapter 3. And Paul starts with, he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. He says that because he's repeated this refrain, rejoice in the Lord, find your joy in the Lord, several times already in this letter. And he's going to say it again in chapter 4. And he says, I, I can repeat myself because this is so important that what you find, where you find your joy, you find it in God alone. You find it in the eternal realities of a God who loves you and is with you instead of the external realities of life that sometimes are very difficult for us to take in. Paul says joy is found in the eternal not the external. 
And if you look at verse 2, he then goes into, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And I want to say, whoa, hold on, Paul. Like, what happened to the joy? Suddenly he just turned a corner and he starts using this tough language, heavy words, dogs, mutilators, evildoers. And, and, and I, I want to like, I have a dog. You know, I, I like my dog. You guys probably have dogs. They're companions and friends, right? But in the first century, dogs weren't pets. They were annoyances. They were scavengers. And it was a put-down to call somebody a dog. I guess we still, it's a put-down to call somebody a dog today. But, but Paul uses such strong language. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? He begins to talk about people who have their worship messed up. They have their things out of order, out of priority. In fact, he's really upset and angry because these are people who say, this is what it means to follow Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to walk this path. And he's, they're leading people down the wrong path. We call them, in the New Testament, they're called Judaizers. They were people who said, this is what it means to follow Jesus. You have to become Jewish first, and then you can become a follower of Jesus Christ. You have to put yourself under the Old Testament law. You have to follow all the traditions of the Jewish people, the festivals, the, the different kinds of food you have to avoid, circumcision, all these things you have to do if you want to follow Jesus. And, and Paul knew that wasn't true, that all that was doing was putting people under a a slave enslavement to the law. And so he has very strong language here for those who would say, this is what it means to walk as a Christian. And he says, that's not what is true. It says they're mutilators of the flesh. Another translation says they are knife happy. You know, they, they want to work on these external things that don't really make a difference in the, in the spiritual life of people. So Paul has very strong language for them. And then he goes into talking about other things that he's trying to move beyond, things he's trying to put behind him so that he's not stuck in the old ways of life, the old things that used to be what he thought was important. So look at the second half of verse 4 here. And uh, let me just read along here. It says, If others think they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, having a righteousness not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says at one time there were these external markers, external identity values that, that held him, that helped him to understand why he was important and why he mattered in the world. He lists five different things that he says informed who he was, that he embraced and held on to, that helped him to know he mattered, that, that he would show other people so that they might think he was important and that he had value. He showed them off with pride and other people saw them and affirmed him because they saw these external identity markers in his life. Paul says, I want to leave those things behind. Well, what were those things that he identifies here? I want to point out these five things he talks about. I'm going to use an illustration this morning and illustrate these by talking about uh, the identity markers being like aprons that Paul would put on. Things that he would wear on his outside to display who he was, to kind of show what was important to him, what stood out to him. So I've got five aprons. 
And uh, this is going to be just like an illustration of what Paul was writing about. So he starts with his religious heritage. And he puts that on. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. My identity is with the, the Jewish people. I identified myself with the people of God. And he said, that was important to me that I started my life that way. That was my religious heritage. It set me apart. In our church, we, we baptize and, and dedicate infants. There's other faith traditions that, that might shave the head of a baby or put a, pierce an ear or even sometimes put honey on the inside of their mouth as a way of saying they are now part of our religious community, part of the people. Um, Paul wore this heritage as part of his identity, his, his understanding, his connection to the people of God. It had value for him. And then he writes about his nationality. He said, I'm, uh, I'm of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. These are my people, the Israelite people, those who wrestle with God. That's what gave Paul value. And he says, the tribe of Benjamin, the, the youngest son of Jacob, and the first uh, tribe that brought a king to the people of Israel, first king of Israel was from the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul says, I take pride in my identity as a Jew and as a, a person from the tribe of Benjamin. That's what stands out to me. That's important to me, my nationality. And then he talks about his ethnicity. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Ethnicity, kind of the, the language of his people, the culture that he was a part of, the, the identity he had with, with language. And language is more than just like dialect that we might use. It's, it's the kinds of words that we speak. Paul identified himself with his language, who was in his group and who was outside of his group. He knew the right things to say at the right time. And he knew the slang of his people. These are my people, my culture, the Hebrew people. Then he says his education starting to get heavy. <laughs> his education. He says, I'm a Pharisee. That was his, his training. That was his way of talking about his faith. His teacher was a man named Gamaliel, and we can read about him in Acts chapter 5. Uh, he was a well-known rabbi, a respected teacher at that time, one of the best of the best. And so his disciples, this great rabbi, he wouldn't have just anybody as his disciples. He, he chose only a select few, the best of the best. And so Paul says, I'm a Pharisee studying under Gamaliel. I mean, that's the kind of man I am. He says, this was my education. This is part of my identity, what I saw as important. It made Paul a great debater. It made him a great writer. We have these letters today because of his educational prowess, this, this identity has as an educated man. And finally, he says his work, the things that he did with his time, how he invested himself. It was his passion. He, he took pride in how he had lived he said, I, I, I crushed anyone that tried to move away from our traditional Jewish expression of faith. Because you want proof of my excellence. Look at how strictly I followed the Jewish law. He said, I, I lived it out in perfection. Now, he knew he wasn't perfect, but he knew that he had done everything the Jewish law calls him to do to, to be righteous before his peers and before his community. These are the five things that Paul put on, and he wore them around and, and showed them off. They were part of what gave him pride and if he was around a certain group, he would, he would show off this apron. And if he was around a different group, he'd show off this apron. Say, see, I'm one of you. I belong. I'm with you. I have value. I, I have position. I matter. These were the identity markers that, that he would hold on to. And they anchored his reality in this world. But that anchor came with chains and weight and kept him from being free in Christ. And then he met Jesus. And, and everything changed for him. In verse 7, he writes these words, But whatever were gains to me... I now consider loss compared to knowing Jesus, compared to this present day connection with his creator God, life-giving, sustaining 
relationship with the one who made him. He says, all these other identity markers, they no longer have value for me compared to Christ. In verse, 90, uh, verse 80, he steps it up a little bit. He says, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Not only are they lost, but he says, they're worthless if they stand in between me and Jesus. If they become a barrier between me and my creator God, he says, they're garbage. They're trash. They're filthy. They have no value to me. Now, Paul's not saying that these things, these identity markers are evil in and of themselves. He says, the way I thought about them, the way I used them, the value that they gave me, that's what made them evil in my life. I elevated their worth above God. I worshiped them instead of the one who made me. And Paul says, so they, they have no value to me. I want to take them off. And one by one, he began to take them off. He took off his good work. He said, this can't compare to my life knowing Christ. We do, we do good things, don't we? We want to do good. We want to make a difference in this world. We want to make a difference in people's lives. We like doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. But being right is not the same as being holy and being set apart by God. The good things that come out of our lives flow from our connection with Jesus. It doesn't go the other way around. We don't do good things to earn a connection with Jesus. We are connected to Christ. And because of his power in our life, we're able to do good things. When we get that mixed up, then the good things we do are like trash and worthless to us. And then Paul took off his education the letters behind his name, right? The PhD, the MD, the LPC, the masters, the bachelors, the associates, all the testing and assessments that we do to, to earn an education. They don't make us more valuable to the one who created us. The one who put us together before we were born and, and one day, the one who knows every day that we're gonna face compared to our relationship with God. Our education, Paul says, is, is like garbage. It just doesn't matter. And then he took off his ethnicity, the culture, the advantage he had because he knew the right things to say to the right people at the right time. These things that he used to signal that I'm in this group and I'm not in that group. He says that when it stands in the way of my walk with God is worthless. We use language identifiers every day to know who's with us and who's not with us. We, we listen to certain kinds of people who speak. We look for certain kinds of posts on social media. We say certain kinds of things so that we know that we're in this group and not in that group. Are you conservative or progressive? Are you affirming or welcoming or phobic? Do you value those that are like you more than you value those that are not like you? And Paul says, when we elevate these things above the love of God, that God has called us to love all people, he says they no longer have value. They no longer have value. They're like garbage. So Paul threw it away. Next, he took off his nationality, where he came from, the land of his people. Now, this, we sometimes joke about these things. I've heard since I moved here that one of the questions you sometimes ask, are you north of the river or south of the river, right? One of those things we might joke about. Are you Jackson County or Johnson County? What colors do you wear on game day, right? But, but our national understanding goes much deeper than that get into some challenging things. Are you a true American? Do you belong here? Are you legal? You know, we ask these kinds of questions. These become things that separate us and divide us. And Paul says, compared to knowing Christ, these things are like garbage. And he threw them away. Finally, he took off his religious heritage. Now, I should just stop talking now, shouldn't I? Because it's getting personal. 
Hillcrest has been here for 60 years. I'm so thankful for those who sacrificed to establish this church, to begin to make a difference in this neighborhood, in this community. It matters that we are here. We need to honor those who helped create this and God use them to start something new. But if we hold on to that past story and not move into what is new for us, the things that God has for us in this new season of ministry, if we elevate our legacy over what God wants to do today, then we're going to be missing out on the new life God wants us to bring. The heritage of Hillcrest matters, but compared to following Jesus into a new movement of God in our day, Paul would say, this is garbage. This is loss. And he would throw it away. So what does Paul want for us as followers of Jesus Christ? If we're supposed to take all of those identity markers off, what is it that he wants us to walk in? We'll look back at the passage. Verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, he says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What matters to Paul? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power of Jesus that is expressed through his resurrected life that he, he pours into us when we are forgiven and we surrender our lives to him. A transformed heart and mind is worth everything. It's worth leaving some things behind so that we can live in a new way. All those identity markers are left behind. That old citizenship is released and a better kingdom is embraced. And Paul uses an Olympic metaphor here. He says, pressing on towards the goal to win the prize. Today's the last day of the Winter Olympics. I hope you've been able to watch some of those if they've been on TV. But you, you see these elite athletes who train themselves for these games. And Paul, did you know the Olympic Games were around back when Paul was around? And other types of games in Corinth, they had the Ithmius Games. And, and they would have known about these athletes, these elite athletes that train themselves every day, that discipline their bodies, that work out every day so that they can win a prize Today, it's the gold medal that they can win that. And Paul says, that's how I live my life with Christ, pursuing that new life that Jesus created me for. And he invites us to follow his example, discipline our lives to pursue Christ because of the difference he's made in our lives. That's our identity. We worship the one true God and we pursue life with him. At the beginning of our time together, we looked at another letter, the book of Colossians that Paul wrote to his friends in Colossae. Later on in that letter, he wrote these words. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Paul again points out these identity markers, these external things that we look at to set ourselves apart from other people. He says our religious affiliation, our cultural community, our financial ability, our social connections. He says we take all those things off and we leave them behind and put on a new life, a new way, a new self 
a gift that God gives us as his sons and daughters when we're adopted into the family of God. In other letters, Paul would speak about it this way. He would say, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in another letter, he said, put on love which holds everything together. Instead of that apron, instead of that thing that doesn't really even cover your whole body, that just hangs around your neck, he says, put on the love of Christ, put on Jesus. What does this look like for us? This is kind of silly. I hope you guys can forgive me for this, but this was a gift that Angela gave me and um, our kids for Christmas this year. And it's a blanket, but um, it's a little different. Do you notice how this is more than a blanket? You can put your arms through these sleeves here, and you can put your feet through the little pockets in the bottom, and you can wear this blanket around the house. And so it's even got a little pocket here for the remote control for the TV. <laughs> so, sort of silly, but, but you can wear this. It covers you fully. It wraps around you. And when I think about this identity that God invites us to walk into, it's more like this blanket than it is an apron. It, it surrounds us. It holds us. It helps us see the world in a different way. It captures us and holds us safe in him. Paul says, press on and put on the love of Jesus, the Savior. Move toward it. Put it on every day. We wake up every morning. Say, God, this is your day. Help me see you at work today. Help me fall in love with you today. Help me express your love to others around me. My primary identity, my understanding of who I am is a child of God saved because of Christ. Help me to live into that today. In Christ alone, we find our true identity. In Christ alone, we find our purpose and our value. We worship Christ alone. That's what Paul is calling us to. So I want to encourage you. Think about those different identity markers you hold on to. Again, they're not evil. But when you put them above everything else, when you worship them first, God would say, take it off. Take it off and press on and pursue the life I've created you for. Let's ask him to help us do that. Will you pray with me? Father God, we're so thankful that you save us from ourselves. That you save us from the identity that we have embraced that is so much less than what you created us for. That you forgive us for the ways that we look down on others. We separate, we divide, we put people in categories, Father, and and you say, I'm, I love every person. They are made in my image. So Father, we, we ask for your forgiveness for the times we have lifted these different identity markers above our connection with you. For the ways that we have valued them more than we value others. Those made in your image. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Help us to see you in new ways today. Help us to hear the words that Paul wrote, the words you inspired him to wrote to write, you spoke through him and said, this is the way to walk with me, to know me, to experience new life. Father, we want to experience the life you created us for. So help us to put on Christ, to put on love, to identify ourselves as a child of God and to worship you alone. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.